What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Padalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to our new episode, Blood, Sweat, and Tears with Stephanie Barbusi. We are here to help you crush your goals. Hey guys, so before we dive into this episode, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. But if this one hits home and you feel that somebody else could derive value out of this, if you could give it a share, send Stephanie a note, um, give us a five-star rating on Google Play or iTunes, we would sincerely appreciate it. This is probably going to be one of the best come-up stories we've heard on our podcast. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. So with that, Stephanie, welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, uh, so- so it has those been that a long road. <laughs> those that don't know, Stephanie's nickname is Mom the Mom the Builder. So uh, yes. if if you're not watching on YouTube to see uh, her her tag on here, and I think that's really cool, um, and I think that that's probably that's a great, great story to start with. Yeah. So I will tell you guys how I became Mom the Builder, um, and it's sort of a uh, sort of a long story, but I'll start when I was about sixteen. So. To make it to kind of shorten it and condense it a little bit, um, I grew up in a very unstable home. Um, I, it was a very abusive home, um, and you know, my mother was a single mom, um, and I helped raise my two younger sisters. I helped her raise my two younger sisters, but it was just a very unstable atmosphere. So at 16 years old, I decided to uh, move out. <laughs> And I bought my first car. It was actually an 85 Escort GT. And I bought it for $450. Um, We were living in Massachusetts at the time. And I bought my first car. The day I got my license, I left home and never looked back. Amazing. Um, I slept in that exact same Escort some nights. (laughs) But it was all worth it. Um, but I ended up living with my cousin for a while. I uh, lived with my ex-boyfriend. We had an apartment. Um, I, you know, I lived with my aunt for a while until finally, um, you know, I bought my first house at 19. Um, I was also working full time in the mortgage business at 16. I was I was hired at a brokerage at 16 to do like quality control stuff. But it was a full time job. That's um, awesome. So I went. Um, I worked there. I would work from about uh, 8.30 a.m. to 12, go to school from 12.30 to 2.30 and go back to work from three to six. And, um, you know, I also waitressed on the weekends. I, I've always held two to three jobs. So I've done a lot in like, I'm 35, but I've done a lot in my 35 years because I've always been doing two to three jobs at the same time. Well, if you think about it, you've been in the workforce for like, two decades in terms yeah. of years but it, but two or three jobs at a time is really dog years right so oh my uh, god I've worked I have done so many different like an array of jobs I have uh bartended I've worked at Liberty Tax you know those waivers outside of Liberty oh yeah. Tax I've done that um I've been a dental assistant I have been a, a CNA I'm I still am a licensed CNA actually um yeah, God, I bartended, waitress, bus girl, uh, and everything in between. Like, I, I can't even, it's really funny when I think about all the jobs that I've had in just my 35 years of being here. Um, 
So but, tell us about that first house. So I bought my first home. Um, I was 19. Um, I was, it was, I bought it for 260,000. It was a single family in Johnston. It was actually a single family with like a little in-law. So I bought it originally. So, uh, my mom could live there and, um, I was going to kind of live on the side and the little efficiency or whatever. Um, but the market tanked, uh, I lost my job. My mom lost her job and, uh, the mortgage adjusted, which I had an adjustable rate mortgage. So the, uh, mortgage went from about, I want to say 13 or 1400 a month to like 2000 a month. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And having no jobs, um, you know, we ended up unfortunately losing the home. Um, I went through bankruptcy and foreclosure. Um, you know, I, I tried my hardest. Once again, I, I went back to, I worked three jobs. I went bartending. I worked at God, honeydew donuts. I bartended. I tried everything to save this house. And finally, and I was also in my first year of college because when I lost my job, I'm like, what do I do now? I'm like, what do people my age do? All I know is real estate. All I know is housing. So, but the housing market tanked. So it's, you know what the I'm big like, thing here is though, right? Yeah. So a lot of people, they're going to lose their job and they have this like sense of pride in the sense of like, well, I worked at a mortgage company. I'm not going to go work at honeydew donuts. And I think that's oh, yeah. like it's... a really important component of your story of like, Hey, I know that I've got to keep a roof over my family's head and keep putting food on the table. So by any means possible, I'm going to make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, and... that's where a lot of people get lost nowadays are too proud, but honestly, like you got to figure out how to survive. You have to do what you have to do. And I tell people, cause I, like I said, uh, like I said earlier, I, I mentor other people that are in these situations and, you know, they'll say, well, um, you know, I don't, I don't like, cause I tell sell your car, sell your car, get rid of your car payment, buy a little Toyota, buy something that's super reliable. Oh, I don't, I don't want to drive a Toyota. I don't like a Toyota. You don't want it bad enough. I don't like like being poor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, you know, there's lots of things that I don't like. You know, I don't like sleeping on uh, a twin mattress on the floor. So I do whatever it takes to get myself out of that situation. And I'm helping you, you know, it be uncomfortable for a little bit to be super comfortable later on. That's it. You know, um, n- nobody likes driving a two-door Toyota where that the, you know, mufflers falling off and <laughs> nobody likes that. But if you do it for a little bit and really um, save and be frugal and get by and use that money instead of spending that money to get by, use it, save it, and then use that to build along the way. So you can later on, go buy that nice car, go get that car payment. You know, once you have a good solid foundation behind you, but you can't build, you can't build stability on an unstable foundation. You just can't do it. Hopefully you guys guys heard that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Start start small. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. You got to start somewhere. So that year, um, I started my first year of college. I didn't qualify for student loans because of what I was making the year before. And also, they qualified me as a dependent student, even though I owned my own home. 
So my name was on the deed. I brought the deed to the financial aid office and was like, I don't live with my mom. My mom lives with me. Right. <laughs> I, I pay the bills. I like, I can show you my deed. And they still said, nope, we have to count your mom's income. So I never got financial aid. I never got, I took out one student loan my entire college career. And um, because I didn't even, that's another thing too, going through bankruptcy and foreclosure, I didn't even qualify for loans. Damn. Because I went, I was going through bankruptcy. I had a severe derogatory mark on my record. So um, I paid cash for college all the way through. So as I'm losing my home, I'm paying cash for college. And I was like, I have to do something. So I just, I let the house go. I tried to modify it first, but Wells Fargo told me that, um, you know, they wouldn't modify me. I tried modifying the home. I tried short sailing it. They wouldn't do it. Um, And later on, I found out why they were just trying to foreclose on certain properties because foreclosure was actually profitable for them. And this all came out in the class action lawsuit. And you know, what's so, uh, insulting they sent in this class action lawsuit of wrongful foreclosures they sent us a check for twelve hundred dollars it didn't even cover the cost of my my bankruptcy those attorneys needed to make their money come on yeah honestly at that point it's probably better off getting nothing than a twelve hundred dollar slap yeah like you're just insulting me at this point (laughs) think about think about like the pain and agony and, and the struggle that caused for your family right exactly yeah so after that, um, you know, I, I had to get an apartment. I needed a car. Obviously. Well, I still had a car, but I needed a car to get back and forth to and from classes. So I still worked. Um, even in college, I cleaned houses. Um, once again, worked at Honeydew, bartended, um, all, all different things in college. I was a tax girl, waiver girl <laughs> on the side <laughs> of the road. Um, I, so many different things um, just to make it through college and to be able to pay for college. Um, while I was there, I was I did communications, business and pre-law because I wanted to go to law school to become a closing attorney. Um, so I was there and t- to get into law school, it's very competitive. So not only was I working two to three jobs at a time, but I was also, um, you know, I was also having to take like six classes because anything over four classes a semester, it it was free. So obviously I was trying to take the most classes for my money. Um, So I would get those two extra classes in there um, just to be able to save money. So I, you know, took six classes a semester. I was president of the uh, National Honor Society. I uh, helped with the American Democracy Project. I was the uh, secretary of the communications club for a little while because I needed all these extracurricular activities to get into law school and also I was just I gonna ask that actually <laughs> to be honest with you most unfortunately most of this story I did not sleep for I lived on uh Red Bull coffee and like hopes and dreams to be honest it was super unhealthy because I just literally drank probably I'm surprised I didn't have a heart attack in the meantime because I drank some serious Red Bull (laughs) but I remember staying up for like sometimes two days at a time in college because I would have papers to write I would have to go to work I would have to like it was no joke um and you know it was just it was a really crazy time so um, finally, I graduated college. Um, I graduated top 20 
in my class at Rhode Island College. And um, I started working before I went in, before I applied for law school. I started working at a local uh, closing attorney's office as a paralegal. And um, I started meeting other kids. Now, this was 2011. I, I say kids, but I started meeting other graduates, law school graduates, um, that were taking jobs at like clerk's offices for like 35, 40,000 a year, which is That's fine, wild. but they have $160,000 in student loan. So I was going to say like 160, prob probably 160 on the low end, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 160,000 in student loans and they're making anywhere from 35 to 50,000 a year. That's insane to me. So I'm, I'm working at this law office and I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Because I can't afford to, to do that. I just can't afford that. And then, you know, the following year in 2012, I ended up having my son and I became a single mom. And I, that sort of like solidified my position that, yeah, there's no way, there's no way I am going to be able to do that. Um, so I decided, um, so that year, that was a really tough year. I actually, so I lost my job at the law office. I had a ton of complications um, during my pregnancy. So I was taken out of work at like six months along. And the, the attorney that I worked for, he was a wonderful man. And I understood why he couldn't hold my position. He's like a, a one-man operation. He yep. needs yep. a paralegal there. And I understood that. It's definitely nothing against him because he was wonderful. Um, but it's an unfortunate consequence of sometimes when things go wrong in your pregnancy, you, you don't have a job to go back to. It just happens. So um, I ended up having to go out on unemployment. And then afterwards, I was on TDI. But as you know, TDI doesn't pay you what you need. And being, being pregnant is a really uh, funny situation, right? Because you can't, nobody wants to hire you. Right. I wouldn't like, know per se like you do. But just to give a heads up to the uh, people in the audience, TDI means um, temporary disability insurance. Right. Uh, we, that's, a, that's a pretty much a requirement in Rhode Island for the average mm -hmm. job. So um, from a, from a woman's, for a pregnant woman's perspective, if you lose your job at like six months along, you're kind of not getting another job right. because once you have that belly, right. unfortunately, nobody wants to hire you because they know you're going to go out in a couple months. Like, I know we're not supposed to discriminate and, but it happens. It does. And like, not that I don't, I can't say I understand it, but it, it does happen. So good luck getting a job <laughs> with a huge belly at six months long. Um, so I had to just make do with my unemployment. So um, after I had my son, I found myself with no job, um, no apartment, because you can't get a job. Uh, you can't get an apartment without a job, you know? Right. So I ended up, uh, you know, on a twin mattress on my mom's bedroom floor of her two bedroom apartment. <laughs> so uh, I was like, okay, what do I do now? 
<laughs> I feel that honestly, I, I, the, the listeners probably don't know, and I don't know if Frank knows this, but I, I had a bit of a correction in my life in 2018, and and same thing happened to me. I was yeah. literally on a mattress on the floor in my mom's spare room. Yep. And that was like so level setting. It's like, all right, what are you going to do now? Yeah. You figure it out. Exactly. How do I reinvent myself once again? How but do man, I you want to you want to talk about discouraging, right? Yeah. When you yeah. feel you know, you're heading in the right direction and then, and then the correction happens. And, after, uh, after working my way through college, like I was like, college was supposed to, I was supposed to be able to get a good job. I was, this is what I was told, go to college and make something of yourself. The only thing I'm making of myself is 35,000 a year. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm making for myself. I can tell you that. So, um, you find your way and you kind of hit a, hit a low point or, or rock bottom, or for me, it yeah. was kind of rock bottom. Um, no, where, no, do, where do you go? Exactly yeah. Where do you go? Like, what, well, what's the choice you make the conscious decision to, to, to level up? The good thing about hitting bottom is that you can either stay there and lie down and enjoy the bottom, or you can only go up from there, you know? Absolutely. So, my motivation was, you know, looking at my son, he will never grow up with the instability that I did. He will never know what it's like to have his electricity turned off. He will never know what it's like to not have heat. Um, he, he'll never know the instability of, you know, the same instability that I grew up in. And I, I vowed like there I'm like no this has to change I need to do whatever it takes to change this Definitely. so six weeks after I had an emergency c-section with my son oh, um six weeks after I went back to work as a bartender wow. <laughs> I started bartending um in a in a club downtown um and I worked my way from there so I got an apartment um, probably two months after I saved enough money to get an apartment. Um, thankfully this landlord took a chance on me and he lived in Florida and he told me, he's like, look, I live in Florida most of the time. He's like, if you take care of the property, like make sure like it's clean and all of that, then, um, I'll discount your rent to 600 a month. But if you become an issue or a problem, or you stop paying, I'm going to adjust your rent to market rate, which was about 900 at the time. Yeah. I was like, look, I will, I'll wash your car. <laughs> I'll clip your hedges. <laughs> I will mow the lawn, whatever you need me to do. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm in there. I just want to live. I want to be able to, uh, you know, raise my son, give him a, cause it was in Cranston. So it was a, it was a decent area. Um, so I just wanted to be able to make it you know, make it, make it by. I just wanted to come home, raise my son and go to work. That was pretty much it. So after that, after this uh, great deal, what did you do with the, the difference? You invested it between the 600 yeah. and the market rate. You were able so to save that? I saved, so I worked a ton of overtime. I got a job at Miriam hospital. So I still looked for a better employment than, you know, just being a bartender because you do need W2s to purchase a home. So you need two years W2s. Um, you also need tax returns. 
And right. unfortunately, being a bartender on paper, you don't make a ton of money. Like even if you claim your tips, it's usually at like a t- the tips come through as like a 1099 kind of thing. Right. And they pay you that low wage for salary. So when you go to calculate that for a mortgage, it doesn't look like you make too much. So um, I understood that. So I got a job at Miriam Hospital. I went and got licensed as a CNA <laughs> of all things. So I'm like, let's reinvent this again. Um, I went and started working as a CNA. Um, I made decent money and it allowed me to have that W-2 income. So that way I could save. I worked a ton of overtime and the hospital I worked at paid you double time, anything over eight hours that you worked. So I, I, yeah, it was great. I would work um, like 16 hour shifts, honestly, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. And I was lucky enough because I couldn't afford childcare. I couldn't afford daycare. Um, so my dad and my stepmom, honestly, thank God for them, because I don't know where I would be without them watching my son those nights that I worked. I don't know where I'd be. So they watched my son uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday nights, and I would just pull doubles each night, 16 hour shifts, 3 p.m. to 7 a.m. So I did this for about two years. And then I saved and I took that savings and I purchased my first multifamily home because I realized, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this as a single mom? This deal isn't going to last forever. This landlord isn't going to own this house forever. And I'm never going to be able to afford to pay rent on my own with with the baby. And I don't receive any other money. I don't receive child support. I don't receive any other assistance. So, because unfortunately, another thing too in Rhode Island is that, or I guess anywhere really, the poverty line, if you are just over that poverty line, like say it's you and your baby and the poverty line is 35,000 a year, I literally made like $35,500. And do you understand where that puts you? in that gap. So all these social programs, you no longer qualify for, but somebody who makes 34,999, they have a savings of like almost 15,000 a year because they're not paying 6,000 a year for medical. They're not paying, uh, you know, they're getting assistance for their utility bills. They're getting in an array of other social programs. But if you're right over that line, you're paying all of that out of pocket. So you're truly living on about 20,000 a year. That's crazy. So it's incredible. That's yeah. That's the, that's where I would end up. So that's why I didn't qualify for daycare assistance. I made like right over that mark, um, which is a very dangerous mark to be in because once again, you're never, you're not getting ahead, you know, you're better off. And that's an unfortunate consequence of that, uh, that income, demographic too because they there's no incentive to work harder right there's no incentive to pick up that overtime if you know you're going to lose your assistance it doesn't make sense for you to pick up that ot why would you but you did i did i did so there are people that do it oh there are there are people that do it but they don't have the right guidance to focus that which is where i came in and i started mentoring people so not like, no, 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 let's pick up that OT because let's take that and focus it here right. because you can get ahead by doing X, Y, and Z. And, you know, and I'll explain more about that later. So but Tell us the story about the, that first 
multi that you bought? Because I remember hearing about mm. it and how much work you put into it. Woo. So buying that first multi was horrifying, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I could remember <laughs> literally the first multi I bought, I was on an air mattress the first night and I was laying there. I didn't sleep. I was like, what did I just do? That's exactly right? it. At the closing, because I had already lost a home, my hands were literally shaking. Um, I, I, I was so nervous because I had already lost a home. I remember moving in that day. It was February. It was snowy. Um, and it was horrifying. So that first night, once again, I'm on a mattress on the floor, but this time it's my floor. It's your house, right? It's my floor once again. So I'm okay with that. So I fixed this house up room by room, literally, uh, tore everything out room by room. So, um, and several things happened when I started. So the upstairs tenants, um, after I, after I purchased the home, they did, they stopped paying. And I was lucky enough that they moved out on their own uh, about two months in month and a half. in, he just vacated the apartment, left a bunch of junk upstairs, all the stuff, which I was actually grateful for when I did move up there because I didn't have a kitchen table. So I was like, thanks for leaving this behind. I really needed a kitchen table. Um, And yeah, so that's how bad it was. I renovated the first floor really quickly um, with whatever money that I had, literally paycheck by paycheck. So he wasn't paying. I was paying the mortgage and I was paying to do whatever I could to get that first floor ready to rent. Um, while I was doing that, my house was broken into. Jeez. They stole, I, I left to go to Walmart. It was 10 AM. They stole everything from my grandmother's rings to my son's, my two-year-old son's sneakers. Can you imagine um, that stealing a, stealing a child's sneakers? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was horrifying. And, um, the police basically were just like, eh, yeah, this Good happens luck. here. Yeah. yeah. They didn't even, they didn't even care. It wasn't until my stepmom called and had a complete conniption on <laughs> one of the detectives that they even came out to investigate. They didn't even come out to investigate. They sent one officer and was like, yeah, sorry, sorry. what happens here. Yep. That's crazy. They left, they stole the copper out of the basement, left my water running. Oh my God. And yep, flooded the basement. And so I had to claim insurance on that. And I ended up being able to fix the damage. But when you have an insurance claim, what do they do? They up your insurance. Right. So my mortgage payment went up. And it adjusted probably about, actually about eight, no, 10 months later, it adjusted. So anyways, I got the first floor rented, moved upstairs. Upstairs was still trashed because I didn't have the money or the time to work on both units at the same time. Because you have to remember, I'm working at the hospital. Right. So I'm still pulling overtime. Also during this time, because I had such a horrible experience working with realtors trying to purchase my first home, I uh, became a realtor. (laughs) (laughs) And I started selling homes. So in the middle of those doubles on the weekends, I would show houses. Um, (laughs) And I literally didn't sleep from Friday morning until uh monday morning you know that's incredible so i'm renovating so i move upstairs to the second floor i tear this place apart room by room 
So I started in the bathroom and I took the bathroom down to the studs. And as I'm literally pulling horsehair plaster and ceramic tiles off the wall, I go to pull it down and I slice my hand completely open. (laughs) And I wish I could say this was like the first and last time I had ever injured myself in a renovation, (laughs) but it's not. (laughs) Um, So when I say literal blood, sweat and tears went into where I'm at today, it's actually literal blood, sweat and tears went into building just even the small nest egg that I have so far. Um, So I ripped that place apart room by room, took everything down to the studs and replaced it. And as I'm on the kitchen floor, replacing the subfloor, I have my drill. My son has his little tykes drill out and he's drilling the subfloor with me. And by the way, my son, he's eight now. He went through all of this with me, like right beside me because I was a single mom and I didn't have childcare. So he's doing this all. We lived in a construction zone literally probably till he was maybe six. Wow. Because when we bought this house that I live in now, this was a construction zone too. So we left one construction zone, came here and renovated this house that we currently live in now. Talk about incredible early life experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. So everybody, it's so funny. I take him to work because I homeschool him. So like not, not actual, like, you know, homeschool through the public school system. I actually homeschool him. So he comes to the office with me every day and everybody's like, wow, he's so well behaved. I'm like, he's been with me this whole time. He knows this is work. This is what we have to do to survive. So he knows when it's work time, it's work time and he gets it. So he's, he just sits there. He does his schoolwork. He takes care of his business and I take care of my business. So when we, so he lived in a construction zone pretty much the entire, his entire life so far almost. So we're on the, we're on the kitchen floor uh, in my Providence house and I'm drilling in to try to uh, lay the subfloor. And he loved Bob the Builder at the time. So he started singing, mom, the builder, can she build it? Yes, she can. And I just stopped and it was one of those, moments of like realization and you're like wow had to be an, an incredible affirmation to sit there and yeah. listen to your child and right? I'm like this is a, like I just stopped drilling and I was looking at him in just like amazement I'm like wow this is that's it mom the builder that's kind of proof it's all worth it right yep that's me and he's gonna recognize this and he's gonna hopefully take that and take that same drive and take that into his adulthood and also hopefully impact others to also have this drive and pull themselves out of these situations where, you know what, they may be disadvantaged. They may have uh, troubled lives growing up, but, you know, just because, just because you come from a certain place, it doesn't dictate where you're going. I love that. My, my father yeah. always raised me that it doesn't matter where you start, it matters where you finish, right? So a lot That's of people exactly know it. where I finished my college education, but I started right with you over at CCRI, right? Yeah. So I, I was there. I lived that. It was it was yep. tough. Um, so you go through all this. This will be like our last question before we dive into the questions that we ask everyone. But if there's, yeah, through all these trials and tribu- tribulations, if there's one thing that you could leave with the listeners today in terms of like just, just one golden nugget, what do you think it would be? 
you know, do what you have to do to succeed. You know, it's better to be uncomfortable for a short period of time while you're building and to make yourself very comfortable later on. So, you know, we all make, make the necessary sacrifices up front and that way you'll never have to sacrifice later on in your life. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's what it is. You got to do whatever it takes, blood, sweat, and tears. Love it. I, I'm in awe because it's a powerful message, but um, let's ask some questions that we ask all of our um, guests. First, uh, if someone wants to become a better investor, what would you recommend they do right now? So, Right now, I would recommend first um, learning about the financial end of it, because I think financial literacy is something that is not taught. It's Well, I don't think I know financial literacy is something <laughs> that's, not. that's not taught. So I would say find a find a mentor, uh, talk to somebody that's in the business already. Um, find either, you know, your local loan officer or a realtor and just start kind of learning uh where to go. I think that would be the best thing. Start saving because you need money. You, unfortunately, you need money to make money most yep. of the time. There are programs out there like down payment assistance programs and uh, other programs that can get, help you get into a home. But if you're looking to invest long term, you definitely need to have a nest egg behind you, at least a little something. There you go. Next question. Uh, I don't know if you have any time to read. But uh, what is one book that you might have read that you consider a must read? Oh, um, you know what book I did? The, believe it or not, I know it's kind of cliche, but the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. Perfectly fine. Okay. I actually liked that. I really liked that book. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff. All right. So last question. This is for you, not about your son here. Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? So five or ten... <laughs> Five or 10 years down the road, where do you see your business? Oh, all right. So where, so my business, um, so I'm a loan officer and I'm an investor and a realtor eventually. Um, so I have a real estate team right now that I just started um, and it's called Camilla J Properties. Camilla J Properties stands for Cassie, Allison, Marissa, Isabella, Luciano, and Jenna. Um, those are all the children. Yep. Those are all the children that I helped raise and or mentor. Um, and I wanted to show them that no matter where you come from, it doesn't dictate where you go. So that's why I named my team Camilla J properties. And, um, you know, I want to eventually turn that into a brokerage that runs in tandem with, um, a housing program that will house uh, teens aging out of the DCYF system. Because I think that's a subset of the population that sort of gets overlooked. There's a ton of kids in uh, foster care and in, in the system that don't get adopted because they're teenagers and, you know, they're not babies and they end up aging out. And then where do they go? You know, I think, I think we need more. Yeah, we need more affordable and transitional housing um, for for people who might need that extra lift, you know? For sure, for sure. And, and through no fault of their own, it's not their fault right. they're in the DCYF system. So um, I would like to 
you know, eventually have a program that kind of works in tandem with my brokerage on that. But yeah, so that's what I would like to do in five years. I would like to, you know, hopefully have a brokerage, um, you know, work as a loan officer, mentor a bunch of other people to um, do what I did, basically find their way through. Um, Love that. And maybe even run for office. <laughs> Good stuff. So if somebody wanted to reach out potentially for a mentorship opportunity or just reach out and learn more about your story, what's what's the best route? So they can call me anytime. I have um, have my phone numbers plastered everywhere. I get some very odd messages sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But it's on on my Facebook um, and my Instagram. Um, They can absolutely feel free to call me, text me. I'm very accessible because I'm a loan officer. My number is pretty much everywhere. You can Google me. What is your handle on Instagram or on Facebook? So... Um, on Facebook, it's just Stephanie Barbusi. Um, and then on Instagram, it's magic sales or Camilla J properties. Um, so magic is with the J because once again, magic is Marissa, Alice, Marissa, Allison, Jenna, Isabella. Love that tie. Cassie. Yeah. So So you guys, you guys heard it here. Magic sales on Instagram spelt with a J. Um, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Cashflow Kings podcast. In between podcasts, feel free to check out our website at thecashflowkings.com and give us a follow on Instagram. Where we post daily content under the handle The Cashflow Kings. Cheers to your success. The Cashflow Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice.